This show is made possible not just in part, but entirely by the support of listeners just like you. Now welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, Counterspin, The Colbert Rapport, The Rachel Maddow Show, and The Onion Radio News with a bonus clip today for our iPhone app users from The Colbert Rapport. Remember, this is the California state senator that got busted outside of Faces. That's a, a club, a Sacramento gay club. Uh, he's been anti-gay his whole career. Uh, every single piece of gay rights legislation, he's like, off the top rope, body slam, suplex, right? And uh, he said uh, he was against Harvey Milk Day. I mean, it's not even just rights or not rights. Just random. Come on, you tell me Harvard Milk should not be commemorated in California. Uh, one of the biggest gay rights activists of all time from California. No, it's crazy, right? That's just spiteful, right? So they catch him coming out of the club, uh, the gay club. He's weaving in and out of traffic because he's loaded. Uh, he had a, a .14. I mean, of course, .08 is above the legal limit. So they're going to lock his ass up. He's driving a government vehicle. I thought the Republicans were against that. Anyway. You know, the government officials using the people's money like that, especially in a time of crisis. And he's got a, a man in the car with him. He got a man. So that didn't play well. So now he's in a bit of a tight spot, if you will. And so he came out today and said, oh, that's it, it's over. You got me. He said, I'm gay. <gasps> yeah. He said, no, 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 here's what happened. You caught me. That's awesome. <laughs> and he's like, look, 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 I've been hiding it this whole time. Yeah, yeah, father for la la la, Republican, da da da, super gay. <laughs> I don't think he used the words super gay. Or la la la. <laughs> or la la la. That, well, then that would, you know, <laughs> indeed, right? <laughs> but he's like, no, no, there's no question. I'm totally gay. And he's like, I've been hiding it the whole time. Man, what a relief this is. <laughs> he didn't say relief, but he's like, God, you know, it was such stress hiding it this whole time. And now it'll be curious to see how he votes going forward, right? When when they ask him about it, wait, so why did you vote against gays this whole time, you dick? Right? Overcompensation. <laughs> right, which, by the way, I don't think the reporter said, you dick. Uh, we're adding a couple of words here. And he said, look, I'm representing the people of my district. The people of my district, they're super conservative, and they don't want gay rights. And whether it's my personal opinion or not is not relevant. I'm representing my people. And I thought, you know what? It's not that bad to say. Yeah, that, that's actually a very, that's probably the best answer you can give in that situation. Yeah, because you're stone cold busted, right? I mean, you don't have a lot of choices. If you're going to give an answer, that's as good as you can get. It doesn't really do it, right? Because, I mean, people, come on, you were hiding it, dude. Everybody knows you were hiding it, okay? Who are you kidding, right? But nonetheless, he's like, so they said, are you going to keep voting against gay rights? He's like, probably, yeah, I'm still representing that district. But... Of course, if you're a Republican and you're gay, your career is over, dude. So he's only representing him to the end of the term. They're like, are you going to run again? He's like, I just told you I'm gay. He's like, I'm a Republican. What do you mean am I going to run again? Of course I'm not going to run again. He can so. still run again as, as long as he says, um, I'll still stab myself and people just like me in the back. I don't care. Yeah, I'm gay, but I'll still do what's wrong. Yeah, that's the thing. What's the point? This, this, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this is too crazy to say. Republicans don't care about who you are and what your values are. Are you helping me out? Are you scratching my back? Okay, good. Go fuck that man in the ass. But uh, at least vote against his rights. You know, that's that's the, pro the thought process. They don't care. That's why when the when when another guy got caught with the with the drugs and the and the male hooker and all that stuff, 
Like, they applauded his dumb ass when he came back in. Oh, because you're still going to fuck everybody over? Good. I don't really care what you do. They actually don't care what you do. They care what you what they get from you. Well, let me let me uh, throw some uh, detail in that. First of all, Vitter got caught with the the female hookers, and they that's the one that got the standing ovation. To be fair, okay. So <laughs> straight hookers, totally fine. I'm standing sorry. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. Uh, Foley was the one that was sending the text messages to the young boys. Okay. He's a Republican. When they got caught, well, he's gay, so he had got to go, right? And he caused embarrassment because he was hitting on like uh, teenagers and stuff, right? Uh, but to JR's point, they knew Foley was like that for decades. They knew it all along, and they never did anything about it. Because as long as he voted anti-gay, they didn't give a damn that he was gay. They didn't give a damn that he was harassing the interns. Mm -hmm. They didn't give a damn about any of it. Like Larry Craig, everybody in Washington knew he was gay. Every time I went to Washington, they'd be like, oh, you know what Larry Craig did in the uh, bathroom at Union Station? Everybody knew, right? As long as he voted anti-gay and shut the fuck up, everybody's fine, just like JR said. The minute he gets caught, there he, where does he go? Oh, there he is, under the bus. So, but that's why JR, he had to go, because he's already under the bus. Okay, I mean, like, if he was cool, if he was cool, and they know that he's going to face us, you know, that, that's fine. But now that everybody else knows, I can't have it. Can't play with it. Can't win with it. So, Roy Ashburn's done. But I, I'm glad he came out. But, and it, look, it's an argument for, um, for outing people, too. And that's a really questionable uh, thing, and that's uh, people are on both sides of that issue, whether you should out politicians or not. Uh, but uh, there was a great movie that we covered uh, about that topic, and uh, all these politicians, he's full of shit. If he stayed in, in the state senate in California, he would start to vote for gay rights. He was just covering his tracks. Uh, because almost every politician, if they're caught, they stay, they wind up then reversing their position and voting for gay rights, because there's no need to vote against it pledged to do something about the military's don't ask, don't tell policy in his State of the Union address, and it looks like that might be happening. It's interesting to watch, then, the way some media outlets talk about gays and lesbians serving openly in the armed forces. Some reports refer to repealing the law as a controversial move, but according to whom? Opinion polls on the question show that by a wide margin, the public supports allowing gays and lesbians to serve. A Gallup poll from May of last year found 69% in favor of the idea. So be on the lookout for reporting that tries to tell you differently. Or take the case of ABC's Good Morning America, where on January 31st, anchor Bill Weir announced that this issue was, quote, very controversial from both sides of the political spectrum, close quote. The ensuing interview featured only one guest, an opponent of gays in the military, though viewers did see a graphic on the screen reminding them that the views they were airing unchallenged were those of a distinct minority of the public.
Obama and the Democrats have passed health care. The issue of gays in the military is back on the table. Only now it's a rustic but elegant Avignon salvage beam dining room table from Restoration Hardware. <laughs> now, I've always said the greatest danger facing America is that homosexuals want to defend it. But instead of expanding don't ask, don't tell to include us that you're gay, Congress and the Obama administration are committed to repealing it. But there's a way we can ensure the continued butchness of our armed forces. And it's the subject of tonight's word. <laughs> Bait and snitch. Now, folks, clearly, Don't Ask, Don't Tell's days are numbered. In the last year, there have been calls to reconsider the law by everyone from Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Admiral Mullen, to Defense Secretary Robert Gates, to Colin Powell. Even Vice President Dick Cheney is open to repealing it. And changing the law was one of President Obama's key campaign promises. Now, there's only one thing stopping this liberal agenda, the fact that Obama is a liberal. You see, liberals question every decision they make. So, as a liberal, Obama's first needs to study the effects of repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But to study the effects, he needs to know how many gays are in the military and how the gays are feeling. So, Secretary Gates, Secretary Gates has ordered a study of how the military could accommodate openly gay service members, other than by making Cher an admiral. Now, as part of this overall effort, Army Secretary John McHugh announced last Wednesday that he had conducted informal discussions with troops about Don't Ask, Don't Tell, assuring them anything they said would be kept confidential. Because, as he told reporters, what I'm trying to do is show the troops that, yes, it's okay to talk about this. Well, funny story. <laughs> Turns out it's not okay to talk about this. It's actually against the exact law they're thinking about overturning. Who knew? So, 24 hours later, McHugh backtracked, saying this confidential information, quote, could not be treated as confidential and could result in their separation under the law, which is military jargon for, I made a mistake. So, to, to get around this legal snafu, the Army is instead employing a third-party polling company. Of course, there is some concern that polling gay troops in and of itself sounds gay. But it is not. And this company, this company, folks, will find the gays because the general in charge told the Washington Post they have, quote, some pretty masterful ways of reaching out to what they call hidden groups in larger communities. It's like government-funded hide-and-go-seek. Now, what's important, 
is that now gay troops can tell this third party that they're gay, secure in the knowledge that that information will be perfectly safe. Because we know that whenever the military employs outside contractors, nothing goes wrong and no one tells lies. But let's say, let's say just, let's say just for the sake of argument, through some crazy mishap, those files with all the names of everyone who admitted they're gay somehow wind up at the Pentagon. Well, that's even better because then we can just kick them all out and repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Because you have to admit, once the gays are all gone, it will seem like a pretty outdated policy. Saudi Arabia has been arrested because he posed as a police officer and he made a sexy YouTube video mm -hmm. where he is uh, trying to seduce a man. Um, uh, now, the man holding the camera, by the way, is also arrested. Okay, thank God. Uh, because now I watched this video, you're about to watch it in a second. At first, the story spun it like, you know, he was really trying to, you know, get this guy to do something dirty, dirty to him, right? And as you watch, you're like, wait a minute, this guy's obviously in on it. It's like, right, yes. I mean, this is not bad lieutenant Saudi Arabia style. But I love what, what they charged them with, but I want to save that till after we watch it. Right. Video. By the way, before we watch the video, I just have a small feeling that the subtitles might not work. Okay? Okay. So um, I'm going to tell you exactly what happens. So he, the policeman, right? What, or, the subtitles do work? Are okay. you sure? Yes. Yeah, so okay, let's cool. do it. <laughs> okay, let's watch. That makes me super uncomfortable. Yeah, I hope it's not loaded, man. I know he's getting all phallic with it, but I'd be a little careful with that thing. Be careful where you're pointing. Are you sure this guy's gay? Oh, at this point, I started to wonder if he really was a guy. Really? Because he's got, he's got no, the really long hair, like, what does he have, lipstick on, or? He has the chest of a male. Yeah. And he's really into it. He might be on ecstasy. He's on something, man. He's loving this. He's digging this, man. This whole gay Arab cop routine he's got going on is an enormous turn on for him. I'm telling you, this guy would be transgender, given the opportunity. Okay, mm -hmm. because I mean, you know what I'm saying? Lipstick, long hair, with the thing, with the cupping of the breasts. <laughs> okay. Anyway, now here's unfortunately where the story takes a tragic turn. Everybody's having fun, right? Uh, but this winds up being a huge hit. Yeah. For understandable reasons, it gets spread all over the internet, and uh, the Saudi government is none too pleased. So, Anna, what do they charge him with? Um, okay, so he is facing three charges. Uh, one is uh, for homosexuality because homosexuality is not allowed in Saudi Arabia. 
Also, uh, for general security, that's his second charge. And his third charge is for impersonating a police officer. Okay, first of all, isn't the order reversed? Shouldn't the first and most serious charge be impersonating a police officer and then general security? Mm -hmm. And then, okay, you're gay, right? They're like, no. He's pretending to be a cop. Who cares? First, he's gay, all right? And then all this other stuff. Second of all, who's he pretending to be a cop for? His buddy who's filming him, they're all having a good time, right? right? You're not really impersonating a cop, okay? I mean, what are you going to do, arrest people for impersonating a, a naughty nurse? <laughs> like, oh, you know what? It turns out she was not a naughty nurse. She was just dressing up that way. <laughs> okay. Now, having said all this, you know how Saudi Arabia is, and that's the problem I have with the uh, government of Saudi Arabia. And, and then you look at the, the, the guy in the video, right? And you're telling me, the conservatives out there, whether they're Saudi conservatives or American conservatives, really, being gay is not natural. That guy chose to be gay. No, seriously, you watch that video and you tell me, oh, no, he made an active choice to be gay. That's not his natural personality. Okay, I mean, I don't know. Can you do that? If you're a right winger out there, are you like, oh, yeah, I had this great idea. Okay, strip down and then pinch my nipple and, you know, I go to work. Come on, that dude is gay. And, and so that's for all the right wingers all across the world. And then specifically for Saudi Arabia. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? I mean, he's born that way. What are you going to do? They're going to give him a thousand lashes and throw him in jail. A thousand lashes. That's what they're going to do. Jesus, man. Je Sorry. I don't think that's going to work in Saudi Arabia. Where I'm like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, look, we've gone over this a hundred times, but that's, it's absolutely and totally unacceptable. Let people be who they are. You give them a thousand lashes, ain't going to change them anyway. Okay, you think what, it's going to turn them straight? No, that's why the rigid application of dogma, no matter what religion it is or what culture it is, is always stupid and unacceptable. Because that you apply laws that don't make sense for everybody without thinking about it. Okay, and they're old, ancient laws that are not for these times and that are not reasonable, logical, or acceptable. You think I'm going to get through? Can you imagine? They watch this on YouTube and the Saudis are like, well, I didn't consider that. That's a good point. Maybe we let him go. Probably not. Probably not. But nonetheless, I'm going to keep making that argument against the Saudi government and see how it goes. Congressman Patrick Murphy held a press conference to call for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Congressman Murphy is a Blue Dog Democrat, a freshman in Congress, and an Iraq War veteran who was with the 82nd Airborne. He's taken the lead in the House in the fight to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. On the Senate side, one of the most interesting things about the effort to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell there is that it pits Joe Lieberman, who's always been against the ban, against John McCain, who is both Joe Lieberman's best friend forever and the Senate's leading proponent.
proponent of keeping the ban in place. Senator McCain is having a hard time of late in his advocacy to keep the ban. Famously, he credited Colin Powell's opinion on Don't Ask, Don't Tell as his main influence in supporting the ban. When General Powell changed his mind recently to oppose the ban instead, that left John McCain in a bit of a pickle. But John McCain has recently picked up another justification for supporting Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It's a letter that he says he finds very convincing, a letter from retired military officers. This is a letter signed by over 1,000 former general and flag officers who have weighed in on this issue. I think that we all in Congress should pay attention and benefit from the experience and knowledge of over a thousand former general officers and flag officers and which and where they say we firmly believe that this law, this law which Congress passed to protect good order, discipline and morale in the unique environment of the armed forces deserves continued support. John McCain has cited this letter over and over and over again, with Colin Powell saying that he wants Don't Ask, Don't Tell overturned now. This letter has gained sort of the anchor position among people who want to keep Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Well, today the advocacy group Service Members United, which wants to get rid of the ban, issued a report on what that letter really is. It seems that the people who want to keep Don't Ask, Don't Tell may once again be out of luck in terms of their reliance on this thing to make their case. For example, it turns out that a number of the people who have signed the letter are dead which is awkward. The people who coordinated the letter have explained that some of those signers signed the letter before they died, but there is an exception. In one case, a general who is now dead had his name signed to the letter before he was dead, um, but not by him. Um, it was by his wife. She signed the general's name to the letter saying, don't ask, don't tell, uh, should be kept. The general himself, before his death, had not been able to communicate for six years or so due to Alzheimer's. Another general told Service Members United that he, quote, never agreed to have his name put on the letter, but it ended up there anyway. Another said he doesn't remember even being asked about the issue, let alone whether his name could be used. Another retired flag officer whose name is on the letter is demanding that the group that put his name on it take it off. In total, the average age of the signatories to the Don't Repeal, Don't Ask, Don't Tell letter is 74. The oldest signer is 98 years old. As Service Members United notes, only a small fraction of these officers have even served in the military during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell period, much less in the 21st century military, which does make it awkward for them to be taken as the authority on what the 19-year-olds of today's military think about the gay. You can now support this podcast as easily as by shopping online. The next time you need to make a purchase of just about anything, simply visit bestoftheleft.com and use our Amazon.com search box to find what you're looking for. The search box is located right on the side of the website. You can't miss it. When you make your purchase, we get a little commission. It's just another effortless, completely free way for you to help keep the show going strong. Thanks for your support. The gay gene has been isolated and ostracized. It's the Onion Radio News. I'm Doyle Redland. Scientists at Johns Hopkins University have isolated the gene that causes homosexuality in human males and quickly segregated it from normal heterosexual genes. Team leader, Dr. Norbert Reynolds. We determined conclusively that we didn't want that faggot-ass gene uh, to be part of our experiment. Scientists then cornered the gene in the boys' locker room and beat it senseless. 
Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. Mama pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. When the papa found out, he began to shout and he started the investigation. It's against the law. It was against the law. Oh, what did mama saw? It was against the law. The mama looked down and spit on the ground every time her name gets mentioned. The fight over Don't Ask, Don't Tell got weirder today. And the general who was chief of staff of the Air Force when Don't Ask, Don't Tell got put into place in the first place weighed in against repealing the policy. But his weighing in seems to have confused matters more than it has resolved them. Check this out. Quote, I was one of the service chiefs when the Don't Ask, Don't Tell compromise was reached in 1993. Until then, every person coming into the military was asked questions directed at establishing sexual orientation. And admitted homosexuals were automatically rejected. Thus, the Don't Ask part of the rule actually means gays no longer have to lie. So if you're gay, you don't have to lie about that in the military now? Does General Merrill McPeak, former Chief of Staff of the Air Force, really believe that's true? Because it's totally, provably, obviously not true. In Iraq, during the height of the insurgency, the Air Force conducted a search of my private emails solely to determine if I had violated Don't Ask, Don't Tell and to gather whatever evidence they could use against me. I was relieved of my duties, leading nearly 200 airmen, and the proponents of this policy say that you personally, you being gay, uh, has a negative effect on your squadron's good order and discipline. How do you feel about that? Not one single person that I'm assigned with in my squadron or that I fly with in my fighter squadron knew about this case until this moment. Even if General McPeak's only recently acquired information about Don't Ask, Don't Tell was garnered from watching cable news, say 9 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC in the last few months, even just that would have provided him with direct proof, direct evidence that people do have to lie if they're in the military and gay right now. That even being totally closeted is not enough to stop the witch hunting of people in the military to drum them out of the service. So General McPeak's op-ed in favor of keeping Don't Ask, Don't Tell was, um, a, was a strange addition to the debate today. But another one of the service chiefs from the time that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was put into place is also trying to make himself part of the debate now uh, to similarly awkward effect. He is General Carl Mundy. He's the former commandant of the Marine Corps. He's been op-edding against repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell as well, and he's been getting cited by senators for doing so. I would commend to the members of this committee uh, an op-ed written by Carl E. Mundy, Jr., a uh, retired four-star general and former commandant of the U.S. Marine Corps. So I would ask, Mr. Chairman, that this uh, op-ed dated uh, January 12, 2010 by General Mundy be included in the record at this point. What Senator Wicker is having introduced into the record there is an op-ed from January 12th of this year by uh, General Mundy, General Carl Mundy, that opposes the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, Roger Wicker there had it introduced into the congressional record at a Don't Ask, Don't Tell hearing. 
other than General Mundy's current advocacy against Don't Ask, Don't Tell. General Mundy is famous in civilian life for, for two other things, meaning he's famous among civilians for two other things. Um, first, he once issued an order banning married people from joining the Marines. He ended up having to rescind that after the whole country went, do, whoop, say what now? Um, he's perhaps even more famous, though, for, for this. On October 31st, 1993, as Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Carl Mundy went on 60 Minutes to explain the lack of promotion of minority officers in his branch of the service. On camera, General Mundy explained that result as follows, and I quote, in the military skills, we find that the minority officers do not shoot as well as the non-minorities. They don't swim as well. And when you give them a compass and send them across the terrain at night in a land navigation exercise, they don't do as well as that, uh, 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 they don't do as well at that sort of thing. Uh, that's what General Carl Mundy is most famous for in civilian life. He is the man who, as Commandant of the Marine Corps, the Pentagon was forced to apologize for because he went on 60 Minutes to say that minorities can't shoot or swim or read a compass, not like white people can. And now he's helping lead the charge against Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I would commend to the members of this committee uh, an op-ed written by Carl E. Mundy, Jr., a uh, retired four-star general and former commandant of the U.S. Marine Corps. Joining us now is Clifford Alexander. He was secretary of the United States Army under President Carter and chairman of the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission under President Johnson. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you very much for coming back on the show. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you very much, Rachel. Uh, what do you make of um, senators and other people engaged in this fight now over Don't Ask, Don't Tell, citing former military officers as a way to try to defend the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy? They have a new approach now. The approach is that this is going to be difficult because we are in two wars. If we were at peace, their argument would be that we must not try this social experiment because you can't really tell if it's going to work during peacetime. Their approach is to somehow avoid what would make American men and women in service act in an honorable way, be able to not lie to themselves and lie to those around them. And there is nothing but in a sense, some hatred, a little bit of fear, and a great deal of ignorance that is driving this, this force to keep this don't ask, don't tell policy in place. General McPeak's op-ed today I thought, I thought was important um, because he did his arguments, and I don't mean this as an insult to General McPeak at all, but his arguments were strange in my view. He argued, for example, that um, warriors are inspired by male bonding uh, and that don't ask, don't tell will interfere with male bonding and therefore weaken warrior culture. Uh, as a former Secretary of the Army, I just have to ask your response to that argument. Well, it's as if he's watching too many horror movies. It just seems to me that he must be living in a world that is unlike any world any of us realistically see. He, of course, excludes all women from the capacity to be uh, great soldiers and, and great and, and brave people as they have been in many wars with this country and with, and with other countries. But beyond that, what is so bothersome about both of the generals that you cite is that these 
men were in charge of the welfare of so many people that this kind of narrow-minded, ignorant thinking is allowed to really judge, not obviously just gays, but all people in the military, that their judgment is somehow better than, according to these senators, the good sense that would say you want men and women, whatever their particular sexual orientation, to be able to serve according to their skills. Now, we shouldn't be studying this. They've been talking about having a long study. The President of the United States, instead of calling for a study, should have said to the Secretary of Defense, tell me in 30 days how we can get this legislation moving on the Hill. But don't hold this until, until uh, December. The President of the United States, according to Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, is the Commander-in-Chief. He is in charge of the Army and the Navy. When the Constitution was written, there wasn't an Air Force. It is quite clear it is up to him to set the tone, and it is up to him to set what we call, very importantly in this democracy, civilian control. And that means that the civilians, the people who are elected, are the ones who set the particular way things should should be in the services. You do not look to the military people in uniform to set the policy. You look to them for their expertise, you look for them for good judgment, and then you, as the person who is elected head of this government, say to them, this is how it is going to be. That is what civilian control is all about. Otherwise, you have the situation that have taken place in several countries where the military is running the government. That's the last thing we want. And we certainly don't want the McPeaks and the Mondays, uh, that kind of military person running the government or, frankly, running the services that they ran. The kind of ignorance that was spewed out in that op-ed piece, the kind of ignorance that Mundy has attributed to himself as a head of a service is appalling, and it should be described as such. It shouldn't be the Pentagon really saying, I apologize for this person. It should be the Pentagon condemning this kind of activity. We need to get passionate about these things. We can't can't just say, well, he might, might have been off that day. If you read this piece in the Times, you wonder what logical world this man lives in. He clearly didn't know what he was talking about. He has no empirical proof, nor is there any empirical proof. In fact, all of the proof is on the other side, because so many countries don't go to this ludicrous nonsense of worrying about what is the sexual orientation of who's next to the man or woman in uniform. smoke on the ground and start new when your heart is an empty room with walls of the deepest blue home space how it ages when you're We have retired General John Sheehan, and he's talking about homosexuals in the military. He talks about how gay Dutch soldiers were the reason for the uh, Serbian massacre. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's hear him. So, you know, there's going to be hilarity here. So let's go to the video. It's uh, video number two. That led to a force that was ill-equipped to go to war. The case in point that I'm referring to is when the Dutch were required to defend Srebrenica 
against the Serbs. The battalion was under strength, wholly led, and the Serbs came into town, handcuffed the soldiers to the telephone poles, marched the Muslims off, and executed them. That was the largest massacre in Europe since World War II. And did the Dutch leaders tell you it was because there were gay soldiers there? It was a combination. But did they tell you that? That's my yes. question. They, they did. They included that as part of the problem. That there were gay soldiers that among the, the Dutch. The combination was the liberalization of the military, a net effect of basically social engineering. The, you said that no special accommodation should be made for any member of the military. Sure. Um, are members who are straight, who are heterosexual, allowed in our military to say that they are straight and heterosexual? Are they allowed to say that without being discharged? Are they allowed to declare yeah. the sexuality? Yeah, are they allowed to say that, hey, I'm straight, I'm heterosexual. Can you say that I've, without being discharged? There's no prohibition to my knowledge. Is that special accommodation to them? I, I wouldn't consider a special accommodation. Why would it be a special accommodation into someone who's gay to say, hey, I'm gay? Why, why do you call that special? You don't call it special for someone who's heterosexual or straight. Why do you believe that's a special accommodation to somebody who is gay? I think the issue, Senator, that we're talking about really hasn't a lot to do with the individuals. It has to do with the very nature of combat. Combat is not about individuals, it's about units. We're talking about a group of people who declare openly sexual attraction to a particular segment of the population and insist on continuing to live in the intimate proximity with them. But that you, by law. You allow that for, hetero, for heterosexuals. You yeah. don't have any problem with that. Don't have a problem with that. You don't have any but problem that, with men and women serving together even though they say that they're attracted to each other. That's correct. That's not a special accommodation. No. no. I love that. And Senator Carl Levine is talking to him there. Levin, sorry, is Levin. talking to him there. Uh, and I love that because he turns this into a question of equality. And he's basically saying, so you don't believe in equality? I mean, when you really strip it down, that's what he's asking him. And he's like, no, I don't believe in equality. Well, I mean, uh, point number one, General Sheehan is dumb as dirt because it was so obvious what Levin was setting him up for, and he walked right into it over and over and over again. So General Sheehan, if you're listening right now, just keep your mouth shut from now on. You're not very good at this public spokesmanship thing, this whole public speech thing, and I wasn't very good there either. Secondly, I just thought I'd do a little Google searching while we were listening to him. Dutch government officials, it says in the paper today, reacted angrily on Friday to claims of a retired U.S. general, etc., uh, etc. Et they are saying that he didn't tell the truth, that uh, no one ever told him that. The Dutch Defense Ministry issued a statement calling Sheehan's claims absolute nonsense, quote-unquote, adding that gay Dutch soldiers routinely cooperate with the U.S. military in the NATO mission in Afghanistan, etc., uh, etc., et and the head of the military union there said Sheehan's comments were ridiculous and out of the realm of fiction. So if he was sworn in in order to give that congressional testimony, might be a good case for perjury there. Yeah, absolutely. He and lied. you know what happens when you go to prison? Don't make me elaborate on that. <laughs> Um, but what a bigot.
Yeah, what a bigot. I, I mean, to say that uh, a massacre happened because the Dutch army allowed homosexuals and it was a liberal army, that's such a terrible thing to say. That's saying homosexuals are weak, they're not able to serve in the army, and we have homosexuals serving in our military right now, and that's degrading them when they're serving our country. And Absolutely. that's despicable, that's disgusting, and I... I I'm glad that he's retired. That's and all many, I have to say. <laughs> many of them have, have won all sorts of medals for bravery in combat and then been forced out when, it, uh, when we learn, even without don't ask, don't tell, they don't tell. They weren't asked, like the case of this gay woman, this lesbian woman, where she didn't tell. She mm -hmm. wasn't asked, but they, they found emails, private emails, and drummed her out because of that. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's amazing. And, you know, during the Bush administration, uh, whenever anyone said that they were opposed to the war in Iraq, the first thing that they would say is, you're anti-American, you are not supporting our troops, you're not supporting our troops, how can you do that? That's not patriotic. Well, what these Republicans are doing is they're not supporting our troops. Of course, that's a great point. They're not supporting, I don't know what the figures are, but at least five percent of our troops are not being supported by these people and we need every soldier we can get right now our military stretch pretty thin hi everyone now running this podcast is an absolute passion of mine that i've been pursuing for years but of course everyone understands that it takes a little bit of money to get along in this world and that's where the members come in members sign up and donate as little as five dollars a month which allows me to pump out 10 episodes per month now. So while you're thinking about that and rationalizing that little expense, just realize it breaks down to only 50 cents per episode, and it's even less if you sign up for a full year. And beyond that, in return, you get access to a set of members-only raw feeds, and these deliver audio plus video clips from the show, as well as a separate feed just for bonus content that would otherwise end up on the cutting room floor. So for details, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks for your support. Minnesota activists are out in full force today to protest a new bill that would ban marriage between people who don't love each other. Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty expressed his intention to sign the bill earlier this week, saying, quote, I believe the definition of marriage is a union between two people who love each other. In addition to outlawing future loveless unions, the so-called Purity of Marriage Act would also nullify an estimated 53% of marriages in Minnesota. Loveless couples gathered at the state capitol today to voice their opinion that all couples have a right to be married, not just those who can stand each other's company. Beth and I have been sitting silently in front of the TV set for 20 years. You can't tell me that's not marriage. Our feelings of codependence are just as strong as a happy couple's love. Just because I talk to her less than I talk to the dog, that doesn't mean that what we have isn't marriage. We didn't choose to feel nothing for each other. That's just the way we are. Joining us now from St. Paul is Onion News Network legal expert Olivia Walker. Hi, Damon. Well, Olivia, this is a real surprise since Minnesota has long been considered a real mecca for loveless couples. Right. The state is full of bland suburbs and buffet restaurants serving endless piles of food, yeah. which loveless couples use to fill the void in their well, hearts. Where is the support for this bill coming from? Well, the bill's supporters say for too long they've had to watch these people flaunt their lovelessness, bickering over which peanut butter to buy in grocery stores and mm -hmm. violently brushing lint off of each other's jackets. So to them, these miserable couples offend the very idea of marriage. That's right. There have been reports from around the state of loveless couples suffering harassment, well, that's a even shame. vandalism. Olivia, what about the people who argue that loveless couples can still live together unhappily, right. even if they're sexless 
unions aren't technically considered marriage. Well, marriage has legal implications as well. For instance, if one member of a loveless couple got sick, their spouse could no longer visit them in the hospital to berate them about how much that medical bill was going to cost. Well, Olivia, not so long ago, loveless couples felt they had to hide, but the crowds there today show that many people are now comfortable with being openly indifferent to their spouses. That's right. As recently as the 1970s, loveless couples were sent to camps yeah. where it was believed they could be cured of their lovelessness by undergoing group therapy and sharing exercises. But even if the Minnesota law passes, loveless marriage activists will almost certainly try to bring this one before the Supreme Court. Right, and there it could face a lot of opposition. Yeah. At least four of the justices are rumored to be in loveless marriages themselves. Yeah, well, thanks for the update, Olivia. And later in the hour, we'll talk to our economics expert, Joshua Russell, who says a ban on loveless marriage could cripple the already flagging cruise ship industry. But first, Shia LaBeouf has signed a deal with Paramount to ruin another one of your childhood memories. No longer do we wonder if we're together, we're way past that. And I've already asked her. So in January, we're getting Next up, so um, Maryland was technically part of the Union during the Civil War, but its allegiance was dicey enough that President Abraham Lincoln stationed troops in Baltimore to make sure it stayed that way. The state song describes the Union occupation as the despot's heel upon thy shore. That said, bygones with the North are apparently really, really bygones. Maryland has now, in a way, asked permission to secede from the South, or at least from the Southern region of the Council of State Governments. Maryland instead would like to join the East eastern region of the Council of State Governments. No state has actually switched regions since Missouri went from being Midwest to Southern in 1994. Maryland now says it would like to make the switch because according to its state officials, Maryland has more in common economically and socially with states like Pennsylvania and New York and New Jersey than it does with Southern states like Virginia. Especially Virginia now, since the last election, it is fast becoming known as Jesse Helmsistan. As we have covered on this show, Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell rescinded the state's old anti-discrimination order right after he was elected. He replaced it with a new one that explicitly doesn't protect gay people from being discriminated against. So it is legal to fire state employees in Virginia simply because they're gay. It didn't used to be legal, but the new Republican governor of Virginia took overt steps right after he was elected to make it legal to fire people for being gay right after he became governor. Happy 2010. The hard-right anti-gay activism of Virginia's new governor is in part how a Maryland state senator is making his case to a defense contractor considering where to locate its new executive headquarters. The contractor is Northrop Grumman, and they've received a perfect score from the gay rights group, the Human Rights Campaign, for the last few years. One Maryland state senator has now written to the company suggesting that if the company wants to do right by its reputation for being respectful to its gay employees, the company might want to move its new headquarters not to Virginia, but instead to a nearby, less vociferously anti-gay state um, that rhymes with Schmeriland. Of course, uh, Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell has not been alone on his anti-gay policy agenda. There has been a Robin to his Batman, a Chong to his Cheech, a Mr. Bigglesworth to his Dr. Evil. 
Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli, he's the one on the left, has been by Governor McDonald's side for this dramatic turn of the Commonwealth's government against its gay citizens. As soon as Governor McDonald cut gay people out of the state's anti-discrimination order, Mr. Cuccinelli followed up with a directive to Virginia's public universities, telling them he could not, telling them they could not legally prohibit discrimination against gay people, and they should change their existing non-discrimination policies if the ones they did have already included that protection. Mr. Cuccinelli is the attorney general, right? So maybe there's some highfalutin legal reasoning behind that order. Maybe he's not you know, personally anti-gay at all. Maybe there's just some more complicated procedural legal explanation that's above all of our heads, maybe, right? Do you think gays, uh, the practice of homosexuality is uh, a detriment to our culture? Uh, the, the, uh, the acts are, I mean, you, you certainly want everybody in your society to be integrated into the society so we, that's a, a, a focus that I'd like to like to take consider that focus very much taken here on national television you're welcome and for the record some people think your acts are detrimental to american culture too sir yesterday a retired american general made i'm just checking my figures here um yes all he made all Dutch people in the entire world really mad at us all at once. I don't think they're going to invade us or anything, but they are not happy. The ballad of millions of very angry Dutchmen, next. When a retired Marine general yesterday testified in the Senate in favor of keeping the military's anti-gay, don't ask, don't tell policy, that general appears to have started a little war of his own. Retired General Jack Sheehan blamed the Srebrenica massacre in Bosnia in 1995 on the fact that the Dutch military allowed its gay soldiers to serve openly. That was the largest massacre in Europe since World War II. Did the Dutch leaders tell you it was because there were gay soldiers there? It was a combination. But did they tell you that? That's my yes. question. They, they did. They included that as part of the problem. Actually, not so much. Um, pressed to name these people he said were Dutch leaders who supposedly, who supposedly told him that Srebrenica happened because the Dutch had gay soldiers. General Sheehan said that he based his allegation on something he was told by a man named Hankman Berman. That's what he said. Hankman Berman told me it was the gays. Uh, the Dutch say they've never heard of anyone named Hankman Berman. But they do say there is a former chief of staff in the Dutch Defense Ministry whose name is General Henk van den Bremen. So maybe that's who General Sheehan meant? Turns out it couldn't have been him either. General Vanden Bremen says what General Jack Sheehan says about gay soldiers uh, is, is, and I quote, absolute nonsense. Bremen says he never said anything like that to Sheehan, and besides, what Sheehan's claiming about Srebrenica just is not true. In the days since General Sheehan made these comments, in the one day since General Sheehan made these comments, the Dutch have gone nuts about this. If you peek out your window right now and you see an angry Dutchman holding a pitchfork or a torch or something, just hide and hope he calms down. Uh, the, def the, the Dutch defense minister said that General Sheehan's comments were, quote, scandalous and unbefitting a soldier. The Dutch defense ministry spokesman said it is astonishing that a man of his stature can utter such complete nonsense. The Dutch foreign minister called Sheehan's comments extremely strange, saying the claim was, quote, the bizarre private opinion of someone without an official function. The head of the Dutch military union said, that man is just crazy. That sounds harsh, but what 
else can I say because it's complete nonsense. The Dutch ambassador to our country said the military mission of Dutch UN soldiers at Srebrenica has been exhaustively studied and evaluated. There is nothing that suggests any relationship between gays serving in the military and that mass murder. Even the Dutch prime minister weighed in on this, calling Sheehan's remarks way off the mark and saying they should never have been made. The head of a gay soldiers group in the Netherlands maybe wins. Uh, that group's quote is that Sheehan's comments were, quote, the ridiculous convulsion of a loner. I don't know what convulsion of a loner means, but uh, let's hope the Dutch are slightly less horrified with Jack Sheehan and with us the next time we go back to them yet again to ask them to serve with our troops in Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere else. Also, just as a political note here, if the best ally and the best argument the pro don't ask, don't tell people have now is General Sheehan and his imaginary Dutch friend, Hankman Berman, I think we may be pretty much on the track to repeal. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation What we'll see will defy explanation Newsweek did this really great uh, story about how homosexuality uh, changes society for the better, okay? Mm -hmm. And what they do is they refer to a study that was done by the World's Value Survey, and it indicates that there's a strong correlation between uh, tolerance of homosexuality and economic prosperity. And the reason why is because it takes open-minded and tolerant people to create a successful economy. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a society that is open minded toward homosexuality and open minded to, you know, societal changes, then you're going to have a more prosperous economy. And it's well, there's definitely a chicken and egg thing here. Right. Because if a society is more educated, it becomes more open minded right. and and uh, richer at the same time. And the more open minded it gets, the more it is open to, you know, people doing different things, right, or being more independent and more open to homosexuality. Another thing is the survival stuff, right? And this is why homosexuality is banned in the religious books. Because back in the day, it was so important for society to reproduce. They had to produce new soldiers, okay? They were constantly at war with the other tribes mm -hmm. and the other religions and the other nations. So they're like, no, we don't have time for homosexuality. That's bullshit. Reproduce like crazy, right? And so, I, I, I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but they, there's a lot of truth in that. And the more society comes out of that archaic, you know, outdated way of thinking, living, etc., and it's not something that even society consciously thinks, as much as built into the structure of society. Well, we don't. I, I mean, it's also a matter of you know statistics and demographics and sociology. We don't need a larger population anymore. Mm -hmm. So it just naturally, it, and you see that with abortion too. In countries, you know, where pop, having a larger population was more important, abortion is outlawed. As it becomes less important, then abortion is 
legalized. Right. Okay. So, of course, we're going to have legalized abortion and we're going to be more open to homosexuality. Now, you put all that aside, in the end, you could say, look, if uh, you are open to gays, you're a richer country. If you're, uh, and you're a smarter country, flat out. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line, right? If you're not open to gays, you're a dumber country and you're a poorer country. <laughs> okay. Now, if the causal connection is kind of backwards, but nonetheless, you get that bragging rights. And of course, I mean, people who are closed-minded to homosexuality, are they backwards? Of course! Of course they are! It's just an old, antiquated rule mm -hmm. for that specific purpose. And so, and I get why, and we, as kids, we all got brainwashed into certain things. And one of the things that almost all of us got brainwashed to, at least the older ones of us, I don't know if you did or not, but is that being gay was wrong, being gay was bad, right? But once you get past the brainwashing, there's no logical reason for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and so it makes sense. And so uh, if somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, we got this thing figured out. Gays are wrong. They're like, okay, well, you're likely to be dumber and poor. Thanks for listening, everyone. I want to thank a couple of members right off the bat because, of course, members do more than anyone else to help keep this show running strong. So Alexandra S. signed up for her monthly membership on November 26th, and James S., absolutely no relation, signed up for his full year membership on January 22nd. So huge thanks to both those members and all of the members and anyone who's ever sent in, you know, even just a, a personal one-time donation to the show. It is, you know, the financial support of listeners like you guys that fundamentally make this show possible. So huge thanks. Now, if you heard the end of the religion-centric episode that came out on April 22nd, and then you're hearing this one, you you may get the impression that I talk a lot about politics and give my own opinions about politics at the end of the show. That would be a completely false impression. Uh, you know, generally the things that I have to say about politics, I let the clips say for me, but you know, just a couple of things have been coming up recently that, um, I felt compelled to talk about. And, and the one today is about the death penalty and people very rarely talk about the death penalty. So it's never even, uh, it, it's never even occurred to me to try to put together a death penalty show or even a civil justice system show, nothing like that. It just it just doesn't get talked about that much. So I heard this pretty interesting point made about the death penalty recently that, you know, it had never occurred to me before. That, you know, there are basic arguments for and against. Uh, my understanding is the basic argument for is... Uh, first of all, unfortunately, a, a really large chunk of the people who are in favor of it do it m more for the, the cathartic feeling they have from it, that it's a somewhat a bit of vengeance and somewhat some people's impression of the meaning of justice. And, and for those reasons, they say, yeah, people should die if they do those things. Beyond that, there is an argument talking about it being a deterrent and I hear that argument. I don't think it's 100% wrong. I don't think it's 100% right. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think some people are deterred. Some people are not deterred. 
it, it completely depends on a case-by-case basis, but that does not come anywhere close to surmounting the moral arguments against it. So for those against the death penalty, myself included, arguments like if a society institutes the death, the death penalty, you are guaranteed to systematically put innocent people to death. You know, I, I don't I don't know that I've ever heard anyone make the argument that that's not true. It seems patently obvious that it is true, uh, and that's basically where the argument can stop for me. I don't I don't need to get into anything else. If if we're killing innocent people, then I'm against that. Um, for th- for those who say that, well, you know, that is too bad, but maybe that's just what has to happen. We're not in a perfect system, but if killing innocent people saves others. You know, that that always surprises me because I wonder if the people who say that realize that in all likelihood they are in that group of innocent people who could be swept up and put to death. And I think that if it began to happen to them, they might very quickly change their mind. So anyways, I heard this really interesting point that didn't have anything to do with it. It wasn't for or against. It was just an unintended consequence of the death penalty and so what they were saying was that by a society having the death penalty in place it skews all of the other punishments that we have available to us making it seem like life in prison is getting off easy and you know obviously that's an overstatement you're not getting off easy but it's like hey you know we held back we didn't kill them so it's not that bad of a punishment. At least you get to live out the rest of your life because you always have that thing hanging over their heads of like, well, we could have put you to death. So people are being put in prison, you know, for the rest of their lives. Whereas in almost the rest of the entire, you know, quote unquote, civilized world, life in prison is the ultimate punishment. And so if you, if you think of life in prison as the ultimate punishment, then you would reserve that for the ultimate crimes, whereas in this country, we don't. We put people in prison for life based on crimes that do not at all rise to the level of what anyone would consider being, you know, some one of the ultimate crimes a person can, can commit. So that's about it. I mean, that's that's the point I heard. I It, it wasn't really going to fit in the show anywhere, uh, and so I just wanted to pass that along to you. Since the death penalty has never really come up in the show before, I have no idea how my audience breaks down into the either for or against the death penalty. Uh, I will start a conversation about this on the Facebook page. I certainly hope to get interesting responses from you guys, uh, any reactions. So, you know, Facebook is a great place to have conversations like this, but I understand not, not everyone has Facebook. So if you have something to say, um, feel free, free also to post comments uh, on this show on the blog. So that's going to be it for today. Please continue to support the show in an incredibly important way just by telling uh, friends and family about it. Of course, this is a totally, you know, grassroots, word of mouth type of show. So uh, other people finding it are totally dependent on you helping to spread the word. And for even more ways to help, including lots of free things that you can do, check out the support box on the website. To stay tuned into the show between episodes, as I just mentioned, of course, we're on Facebook, also on Twitter. You can stay connected to the show uh, between episodes that way or even help spread the word online. For all the details about the show, including links to all the sources and all the music used in this and every episode, check out all of that stuff always posted in the show notes on the blog. 
So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month now, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white, you took a part of picture that wasn't right.